0: hello this is johnny tacos welcome to a taco tuesday testimonial i have a special guest today pastor scott disler an author and 35 years of experience as a pastor so um, we're going to talk about his book the cave when ministry becomes misery so please listen up here we go Thank you, Chris, for making this uh, wonderful intro music. I just this is my brand new intro music that I'm using on the Good Pastor today. So, um, before we get to the show, I want to thank all my new listeners that happen to come across here, uh, thinking that this was a cooking show because my name is Tacos. It is not. It the only food you get is the food of knowledge from the Lord through. Um, through worship and through testimonials as well as uh, current topics towards uh, uh, what's going on through a Christian point of view. So, uh, thank you and welcome. Have a seat, drink the uh, sweet tea, make sure it's real cane sugar and not that uh, processed stuff. Uh, we also thank the uh, listeners, the diehard listeners, you are the glue that keeps this weird podcast together. I appreciate everything y'all do, uh, t- tuning in, listening to my rants, and to listening to my guests. Because um, every every person that comes on this show, every guest that comes on this show, has a story to tell, and has a testimony to reach out and to change um, change your life. So, without any more int- um hesitation hey scott how are you doing real good thank you should i call you pastor scott
1: no 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 scott's fine
0: all right so uh becoming a pastor was that always a um a lifelong dream of yours
1: well when i was a little kid i wanted to be a professional sports announcer but uh, about the time i came into junior high school I started really feeling a, a call to become a pastor. And that got confirmed in my life, my junior year of high school, when my pastor asked me to preach our Easter sunrise service. And uh, and I don't know if it's because he saw something in me or because I was dating his daughter at the time. I'm not sure which one <laughs> brought it on. But I preached that morning and I saw people give their hearts to Jesus and from that day on there was nothing else I wanted to do but to preach. And so uh, I went off to Bible college and uh, got my degree in pastoral ministries and then I've been now in pastoral ministry for 35 years.
0: You know that that's awesome when you when you find that click so early in life and you find that 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 meaning to be and uh, what God has put you on this earth for. So you grew up in uh, Akron, Ohio. Right. Um, your grandfather was was the pastor, right? Not your father? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting
1: story because my grandpa was a childhood friend of Al Capone's. And, uh, but he ended up finding Jesus when he wanted to date this girl named Daisy. And Daisy's dad was a preacher and would only let my grandpa see his daughter at church. There he found Jesus and ended up becoming a pastor. And he pastored for over 50 years.
0: Wow, so w- with that, that, that right there, just learning how how people knew like really uh, infinite, infinite. Uh, I can't, my my tongue tied right now. Infamous uh, people like Al Capone can actually turn yeah. their life around for for yeah. for the God. Because I've seen murderers become saints. Uh, you sure. know, we read about that, and we also seen um firsthand gang members being saved from prisons and becoming um becoming their own worship leaders so exactly right that was amazing so you um so so it was a church was a, like a family um like a a family calling right because you you even, even though your dad wasn't um wasn't in the p- pastoral thing, mm-hmm. he still had his place to serve, right?
1: Yeah, yeah my, my dad's life was serving in the local church. He wasn't a pastor, but my dad was on every committee and board the church had, and, and you know, we were that family growing up that if the church doors were open, the Distler family was there, but my dad was also the church custodian, so even when the church doors were closed, the Distler family was there helping my mom and dad clean the church.
0: Yeah, uh, sometimes I see myself actually being there a couple hours after church is gone, and I'm like, "This um, church is over." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's our it's our second home at our church, yeah. so I I can feel right. that it's it's a place where God is, and well, God's in you all the time. So, but wow. uh, it's a place where like minded and Christians can be to have their batteries recharged. Sometimes I need a little extra recharging.
1: And that's why Paul tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together.
0: Yep. Amen. So um, becoming a, when you went to college to strive to become a pastor, uh, how did you, when did you start out? Did you start off as a youth pastor?
1: Yeah. um, My last two summers in Bible college, I was the intern youth pastor at a church near Dayton, Ohio, and when I graduated, they offered me the full-time position. So I spent my first nine years as a youth pastor in Dayton, Ohio, and, uh, and then from there I went to being the assistant pastor at the church, and then I ended up pastoring a church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and for the last 11 years, I've been up here in northern Michigan.
0: Over there in Michigan? How, yeah,
1: we're, how, we're way up north. We get 150 inches of snow a year.
0: Hey, that's a lot of snow cones. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so you you have uh, won a uh, youth pastor. You received the Youth Group of the Year Award. Um,
1: yeah, that that actually happened twice when I was a youth pastor. In our denomination, the Grace Brethren Fellowship, uh, we were selected as Youth Group of the Year.
0: So do you think... Uh, being a youth pastor was like the the greatest stepping stone into becoming the senior pastor
1: for me it was a very important time because as wonderful as my four years of bible college was i learned more in those years being a youth pastor mentoring under my senior pastor than i could ever learn anywhere else it was a priceless education and And when I started as a youth pastor, I knew that that wasn't my permanent calling. I knew that that my calling was to be a preaching pastor, and so did this church. They knew that too, and they wanted to invest in me. During my youth pastor years, they actually paid for me to get my master's degree. The church did. And I made the commitment when I went there that I would spend at least six years as the youth pastor so that those that were in seventh grade when I started had the same youth pastor when they graduate.
0: yeah and there's nothing like watching uh the youth give their hearts to jesus and come there every yeah. day and you see them and then when you start seeing them grow and get married and they have children that want to come that and they bring them to church to get to the right. new youth pastor it's just like it's it's a beautiful thing it's it's a wonderful thing where you you grow with with your congregation
1: absolutely
0: so uh, when you became a um when you became a senior pastor um mm-hmm. when uh and this book we're going to talk more about it on this book um uh, you you came into some a uh, a little rough time a, a rough season in in that um is that correct
1: Yeah the the first 9 years of being a, a senior pastor in Indiana went very very well Then God led me to a church in Pennsylvania, and actually the first five years there was amazing. We saw the church triple in size from 500 to 1,500. God was doing incredible things, and then suddenly, almost seemingly overnight, I ran into the buzzsaw of what I like to call a well-intentioned dragon. Uh, That is a powerful layperson in the church that has a lot of influence and though I think their intentions are good, they don't realize the damage they're causing. And, uh, and a power struggle ensued, and that led to all kinds of, um, I, I'm just going to say sinful actions on his part, and uh, lies being told, and and sides being taken. And before I knew it, I found myself in what I call the cave, the place where ministry, something I had gotten my greatest joy out of for all those years now became a misery. And that was a very difficult time period in my life.
0: Yeah. And it happens to a lot of churches, you know, one, one weak person that's been so focused on the enemy speaking in, in his, his or her ears can actually tear down a church can actually, I've yeah. seen it dismantle a dismantle a church completely because of of all the uh, sin that went through the sinly ways and the lies the deceit, the backbiting, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and unfortunately it's, it's way too common of a story. And anyone who's been a pastor long enough has probably felt that situation. And and by the way, I'm not the first one to find the cave, go to the old Testament. you got Elijah one moment. He's on Mount Carmel calling down fire from God. The next day, he's in a cave saying, "God just killed me." I mean, he was the first one that found that cave.
0: Yes, and and you you think when um, what what was it? Jezebel saying mm-hmm. that she wants to come down and she wants to murder him, and he's like, yeah. "I got to leave. I got to get out. I got to check out." I'm sorry, God. You know, I'm I got to go. I'm scared. I'm scared. You know, and and yeah. it's okay to be scared. It is okay right. to be. Uh, which in your book you you go over the uh, the signs of uh, spiritual despair. You know, mm-hmm. uh, four four signs. You know, fear, isolation, hopelessness, and self pity. Can you elaborate right. on on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, those were the things that you can actually see in the story of Elijah. But I found in my life too. It as these things started progressing at the church, and I realized that there was now a, he was getting a growing movement against me, fear begins to set in. The fear of, will I lose my job? What will people think? I have a kid in college. How will I pay for it? All this fear begins to settle in. And then that fear leads to isolation. What I ended up doing, just like Elijah going into the cave, I pulled away from everyone. Um, Instead of being out in the lobby after church, greeting all the people, I would get done preaching and go straight to my office. I would just kind of close myself in my office all day long. I even began to pull away from my own family. And then the isolation leads to this sense of hopelessness uh, where you, you're you going, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. This is going to be bad. And then you develop this self-pity. And and the self-pity it, it kind of leads into almost... Being a paranoid, because what would happen is, anytime I saw two people talking in the church, I assumed they're talking about me. He's won them over too, and all those feelings began to build and build and build, and that's why ministry became misery for me.
0: Yes, and it's heartbreaking to do something that you love for so long, and you and you go there every day. You close down, you stay there, you help people out you know, a pastor is a sort of, you know, a shepherd with his flock and, and takes care of the flock. And it's heartbreaking when one of the flock decides, you know, to go astray and, and it, and it breaks, it breaks your heart because of all the, the fun and all that just gets zapped out.
1: It does. It's, it's easy to lose that joy completely when you're up against a well-intentioned dragon. And that's what happened to me.
0: So you, you were also in the cave. Uh, you also talked about Joseph and the yeah. uh, pit of betrayal. Right. So, um, and can you elaborate on that? Because we all know about Joseph. He was well liked by everybody, you know, and, but but his, but his brothers, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, he ends up in the pit because those closest to him betrayed him. And I really understood that because this well-intentioned dragon in my life, my first five years there, he was my biggest cheerleader. Uh, he, He was the guy who gave me the most support, the most backing, the most encouragement. And then suddenly, almost overnight, the person in the church who I felt the most safe with suddenly becomes this well-intentioned dragon. And so now this pit of betrayal takes place. And and I discovered that there are few hurts that hurt more than the sting of betrayal. And I remember my first Easter, after all of that had happened, going through the Passion of Christ and rereading Jesus' betrayal by Judas. And for the first time in my life, I understood that more. I, under, you know, we, we like we, we often look at the pain of the cross, the pain of the scourging, the pain of the crown of thorns, and that's real. But let's not overlook the pain Jesus had to suffer by being betrayed by someone close to him.
0: Yes, and and going back to the cave, you had a friend to help you, which was s- similar to the angel at the juniper tree, right? So exactly, it, was it one friend? It was many friends, right? It was it was, it was more
1: than one. Yeah, there were a couple of them. And, and one of them was a guy named uh, Randy. Randy was a, a good friend of mine. And Randy was the guy that I could I could bear all with. I mean, I could vent to him. I could be honest with him. Um, I could cry with him. But I also had a guy named Rick. and And Rick, every single week, once a week, Rick took me out for breakfast during this cave experience in my life. And Rick just listened to me. And Rick just encouraged me. And having the refreshment of those two friends made all the difference for me. When you look at the story of Elijah, one of the things that God does to get Elijah out of the cave is he brings him the refreshment of a guy named Elisha. And it's amazing how having another person come alongside of you. And by the way, that's the definition of comfort in the Bible. The word comfort means to come alongside. Mm -hmm. Comfort doesn't mean they take my problem away. Randy and Rick could not take my problem away, but they could come alongside of me. They could walk with me through it so I didn't have to walk alone. But obviously the greatest friend that really got me through it was my wife. And I remember the day that I really came honest and told her everything that was going on. And from that moment on, we could walk this journey together. And that became important because- You know, the Bible says when you get married, you become one flesh. You do life together. It's like you become a two headed monster, right? You do life together. And we were able during that time to have each other to lean on, to support, to pray with. And it was having my wife and having Randy and having Rick that really gave me the strength to make it out of that cave.
0: And you're right, definitely. um, When you have your wife there, when you live your uh, wife forever, you're, you're together. And that's the only, that's the only one you can really be a hundred percent vulnerable with. Uh, exactly. Because you need that. You need that in your life. And um, marriage nowadays, they, they forget that part because there's right. so many secrets because they're afraid the other person is mm-hmm. going to be upset or the other person not going to like it or the other person doesn't want to do it. And Right. There's so many secrets and deceptions in there in, in in a modern marriage now. They forget that 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 uh solemn vow of being Exactly.
1: One. Exactly right. That was important for me.
0: So, and how long
1: have you been married? 35 years, actually 35 years this May.
0: So, you um was was this the uh, was this the young lady that um the, your pastor was told you to do an Easter special?
1: Nope, that wasn't it. I, I guess my preaching wasn't good enough for him on that one. So, uh, no, this is one that I met in college um, my junior year, and we actually met at a flea market. That's where we were when we met each other. She was looking for a toaster, a garbage can, and a pr- picture frame for her boyfriend Pete that lived in Texas. Instead, she found me who knows where Pete is today? But we've been married for 35 years.
0: Well, Pete is probably still in Texas. I probably know <laughs> a Pete because I live in Texas. <laughs> there you go. So that that that's awesome. You know, you find your soulmate that God's given you in some of the weirdest places. I've it's actually, a divine
1: appointment when that happens.
0: Uh, I've actually found mine online, and okay. uh, we went out and we. We met at a wax museum and, and that's, a our, we wanted to do things fun because we all had, you know, everybody had their own separate Cheers. relationships that didn't go so well, but we wanted to have fun. We wanted to enjoy our life. So I said, let's yeah. go to a wax, wax museum. She goes, well, no man has ever said, let's go to a wax museum. <laughs> Kids go to a wax museum, but she had a good time and you know, that's great and we're still together today so <laughs> so um when you're going through um through this um the cave of uh you know spiritual despair and yeah. the um uh, the pit yeah um you were pretty close to just you you had the paperwork written saying um yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to the elders. I'm sorry, but right. I'm going to have to resign my post, you know, yeah that, that must've tore you up deep inside to have to write that down.
1: Yeah, it, it did because I, I love being a pastor. I loved the church I was pastoring. I love what God was doing. Um, you know, but I, I also knew there was coming a time that I, I was going to probably have to make that decision. Uh, because my staying there wasn't going to produce any more fruit ministry.
0: So what kept you, um, you know, was it your friends and your wife that kept you from giving that paperwork or did you pray on yeah. it? Did you uh, do a lot of prayer?
1: Yeah, that was the key. was praying to, to, to say, you know, God, if I want to stay, I want this to work, but if it's not going to work, I want to make sure it's your timing that I resign. Now, one of the things that I really learned in the cave that really helped me was the need to pray specific prayers. And uh, one of the prayers my wife and I prayed when I was in the cave was this. We prayed every day, God, when this is over, no matter what it looks like, no matter where we are, our prayer is we'll be more in love with you than we are right now, more in love with each other than we are right now, And more in love with the local church because I've seen pastors go through this time of hurt and abandon all three. And I can tell you, 35 years later, by the grace of God, God answered that prayer. And I'm more in love with Jesus today than I ever have been, more in love with my wife than I ever have been, and more in love with the local church, even though that's where my greatest hurt came from. I'm more in love with the local church today than I ever have been. So praying those specific prayers, I think that made all the difference.
0: And and with that prayer, you you had came up with uh, four solutions: the rest of your physical body, renew mm-hmm. your spiritual passion, return to your place of service, and receive the refreshment of a friend. Uh, right on on those right there can you elaborate a little bit on on those
1: yeah and I, and I got those right from the story of elijah because that's the steps god had elijah take to get out of that cave you know the first thing he did was was he had him eat something rest your physical body take you know and i realized when i'm going through that cave I, i've got to still take care of myself and and that was huge because i couldn't have the physical problems along with all the other problems but I also needed to renew my service and passion of serving. And one of the things that a mentor of mine said to me during that time was, Scott, you just keep serving. Don't let what you're, what's happening to you keep you from serving. There are still people who need you to serve. They need their pastor. They need you making that hospital visit. They need you making that house visit. They need you making that phone call. And so I had to kind of renew that as well. And then, of course, the refreshment of a friend, that was having Rick, that was having Randy, that was having my wife. And those things all became my lifeline during that time, even though my ministry there did end and it came to the point where I did have to resign. But one of the things that kept me going during that time was making sure I was still doing ministry and not allowing that isolation to keep me from doing that.
0: Amen. So, our and you have a ministry right now. It's an online ministry, correct?
1: Yeah, we have our church. We have our, our physical campus here in Gaylord, Michigan. We have a campus in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, right upon the Canadian border. Then we have an online campus that reaches many, many people from all over. And we have a TV ministry uh, throughout 53 counties in northern Michigan that CBS tells us we have about 120,000 viewers every week that watch our TV broadcast. So what's amazing to me is that even though I went through all that hurt, God resurrected my ministry. God redeemed it. God renewed it. He gave me that joy back, and he allowed me to still see effective ministry taking place and to, again, experience joy.
0: So what happened after the outcome with that? that person of interest, uh, did, did you ever make amends with him?
1: Um, you know, he, he's had no interest in that. Um, I, I can say in my heart, I have forgiven him. Now you have to understand that this, I I write about this in the book. You have to understand what forgiveness is because we grew up being taught wrong. We were all taught forgiveness means you forgive and you forget. And that's just not possible. You don't just forget. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Here's forgiveness. Forgiveness says, even though I remember and I want to use it against you, I'm going to choose not to. That's forgiveness. And even as I was putting this book together, I had to be very careful that though I talk about the fact that I was hurt, I don't give the examples of how I was hurt because my goal wasn't to make someone else look bad my goal wasn't to get people to go, oh, now I know what he did. My goal was to provide spiritual hope and practical help for other people who feel like they're in the cave, feel like they're in the pit of betrayal, and they just need someone who understands to come alongside of them so they can take a step out of the cave.
0: And uh, this book is not just for uh, people of of higher positions in the church. It's for anybody, right? Anybody to read this to get some kind of refresh. You know that refreshing their uh, faith.
1: Yeah, my my hurt came in the church, but let's be honest. We've all experienced being hurt by others, and most of us have experienced being betrayed by others. You don't have to be a pastor to have experienced that. And the same principles, even though the book. It is is written primarily to pastors. The same principles apply to anyone who's in the cave because of the hurt of being hurt by someone else or being betrayed.
0: Yes, and you can get that book at uh, CovenantBooks.com. You can receive. Is it is it on Amazon as well?
1: Yeah, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million. All, and really anywhere that you can buy a book online, they probably can, can get to. It won't be on any shelf in your bookstore, but they can be ordered from anywhere.
0: Okay. And to if you do not live in the Michigan area, you can also uh, listen to his teachings or see his teachings on myefree.org correct and i've I've seen a couple of them uh because i i was like i had i had to get to know you because you know we're going to become friends you know we're brothers so in christ so i had to get to know you so i watched a couple of your your uh teachings and you're pretty pretty fire you're on fire a lot of a lot of the times i've seen i'm i've seen it's like cooking and cooking and cooking and you're just uh putting out this uh message and and it's it's really awesome well
1: preaching is my passion no doubt about that
0: yeah, and it and it suits you. It suits you. Thank you. Um, is there? So what's going? Um, from this on, after you had um, you you had forgiven, um uh, mm-hmm. the gentleman. You know, because we all we all said, you know, forgive and forget. Like you said, we we've all lived through that where people say just forget about it, forgive them. No, uh, forgiveness is not for that other person. Right. Because you can you could forgive someone and not even have them in, in your life. Forgiveness is, is a peace of mind for you. Uh, exactly. And exactly. people don't remember that because, because I, I had an issue fighting with that as well. Cause I was so uh, betrayed and all that. Uh, I was married one once before and I was betrayed and I was bitter for that for years. Right. And I went up to uh, Pastor Jenkins, which he, he's in Grand Prairie, Texas, and he goes, you know what, you don't have to forgive her, you can forgive yourself for for feeling that hurt, and keeping that hurt, and letting it fester, and affecting your yourself, and the people around you, because people don't want to be around a person that has this hate bubble that surrounds them right. from people, so... And he says, forgiveness is like a, like a needle that pops that bubble.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. I, I like to say to people, control what you can control. Leave what you can't control to God. You, you can't control how they're going to respond, but you can control how you respond. You can't control what they're going to say. You can control what you're going to say. And what I like to tell people is this. Every hurt that comes into your life is going to have one of two effects. It's either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. And that choice is really yours as to how you deal with it.
0: Yes, because you you yourself uh, can can control your emotions. Exactly. People, can, uh, people use that word trigger, 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 trigger. And it's like, you know what? If your mind is strong and your spirit is strong, you shouldn't be triggered by things that people say because you know deep in your heart where you stand and who you are.
1: That's exactly right. So. Control what you can control. Leave what you can't control
0: to God. Amen. And you all and I have so much to leave to God. <laughs> have, uh, but you know, we're uh, us as human men, uh, we tend to want to fix everything. We're fixing exactly. And it's exactly. like you know, sometimes you're like, okay, God, I'm 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 done. I, I made this a big mess. I made a big mess for you, Lord. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> exactly Uh, right and what a
1: gracious god we have
0: yep and just like uh just like jesus with uh um judas you know he forgave him he knew he was going to betray him but he still forgave him so
1: and to think that he washed his feet knowing he was going to betray it's it's an amazing thing
0: yes because it, it shows what kind of Uh, person jesus was on earth he was a kind person but he wasn't he wasn't weak no people think that jesus oh because he was so kind and compassionate and all that he was weak he was not weak he went into a temple and started tearing down yeah because the because the way uh, they were worshiping there
1: yeah he called a few religious leaders broods and vipers you know so yeah he wasn't weak
0: no, he had a tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I want to say thank you, Scott, for uh, coming up on, on the show here. Uh, is there anything coming up? Uh, do you have any any new books coming up or anything special? You have a special program?
1: I don't have any new books. You know, th- this book here, um, the whole purpose of and why god led me 10 years after my cave experience to write it is because i meet so many pastors and non-pastors who go through this kind of hurt and i wanted to be able to come alongside of them second corinthians 1 teaches that god comforts us so we can comfort others who go through the same trial so i like to say this god doesn't comfort us to make us comfortable he comforts us to make us comforters just yesterday I got a message from a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, and he said, I was at my wit's end in the cave ready to quit ministry, and I said, God, you've got to show me something. And I went and I Googled, when ministry becomes misery, and your book came up, and I ordered it, and I read it, and God used your book to help me take steps out of the cave, and now I'm going to be able to give him a call and talk with him and pray with him. That was the whole purpose of this book to be able to bring up opportunities to come alongside of others. Uh, and, and, And then, you know, I think about, you know, what God is doing here in Northern Michigan, and that's exciting too. And I really believe I'm a better pastor today because of my cave experience. You know, the Bible says God works all things together for good. So here's what I say to people who feel like they're in the cave. I say, listen, The cave may be part of your journey, but it doesn't have to be the end of your journey. There's life outside the cave, and it's time to take steps of faith and believe that God will meet you where you are, and God will restore your joy in ministry. And I truly believe, even if you feel like you're in your cave, the best is yet to come.
0: Amen. That's great words. I I appreciate you being on the show again. Uh, for anybody that wants to read this book to get more in, in depth with, uh, with this tool here, that's what it's called. It's a tool to, right. to help others uh, because people learn from other people's experience. So right uh, if you If you want to, you can go to Amazon, uh, uh, Dalton Books, uh, any of the major bookstores. Uh, you can also go to covenantbooks.com look for the cave um, it's called the cave when ministry becomes misery and so uh, when I read this you know I can I've I seen a lot of uh, of aha moments you know it's, it's like yeah I've, I've been there where I've and I've also seen it firsthand what, what people do to uh sour they'll, they'll talk ill about a person and then right. the other people start and start spreading like a fire but the exactly. only the only thing to stop that fire is mm-hmm. to remember test each spirit because most of the stuff that people say is not out of of uh of helping if they if they're, right. if they're shooting vinegar it's it's out of destroying and what that's it's right. doing is it's, it's destroying the church, and right. we we get we need to stop that. We really need exactly. to stop that. If if you're having an issue with a person, you you be you be a you be the good person, and you go up to them and you talk to them. If you uh, if you can't do it, uh, bring an elder with you. Exactly. Because you know that's one that's one way to get that nipped up in the butt, if people actually, if, if you have an issue with someone, come directly. Exactly right. So uh, what I like to do is I like to have my uh, guest pray us out. Could you could you Absolutely. give us a little prayer?
1: I'd love to do it. Let's pray. Right. So, Father, I just want to say thank you for your ministry in our lives and your grace. Um, God, uh, as we've talked about, we, we've all been hurt in our past, but we've also made our own message, too. And I'm sure we've heard others. And uh, But God, you're a God who is gracious. You're a God whose compassion never fails. Your mercies are new every morning. And your faithfulness is great. And I pray now for those who may be listening to this podcast who find themselves in the cave. I pray, God, that maybe something was said in this broadcast that you can use in their lives to give them a glimmer of hope because there is life outside the cave. So, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. I want to thank again, uh, Pastor Scott um, Disler. See, the T is silent. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank everybody else for listening to this, uh, to this episode. I appreciate everything y'all do with the support and if you do need to talk to them, uh, they could talk to you on Facebook, correct? Absolutely.
1: Just look me up, Scott Disler, on Facebook. Send me a message. That's great. You can email me, scottd at myefree.org. That's good, too.
0: And uh, just to let you know that everybody's um, everybody's human, and even our pastors' batteries get Really uh, low because they had to pour out onto the to their flocks for everything support from uh, issues they have health issues financial issues um, anything the the pastors there they're they're there at the hospital when you're sick they're there with you comfort you when you when you're hurt when you're uh, alone at the house they're there to uh, minister to you and, but their batteries get recharged so. Take time to uh, to get a hold of your pastor and, and tell him, hey, you know, we love what you do. You know, God has really uh, did something with you to help me, and I appreciate everything you do because I'm not pastors don't get that rec- recognition as much as they should because they are the the voice piece of God and they teach you uh, so. Call call your pastor right now. I'll wait. Call him now. <laughs> Tell him you love him or her. And uh, just uh, just keep telling them because it, it does get to a point where it does get exhausting. And they they need, they, they're just humans. They're humans like us. Scott's a human like me. He looks just like me, you know. Well, except for I got a bigger beard. Just a little bigger beard. <laughs> You know, and they they need love too. So go to go to your pastor. Go now. Go now. All right. I'd like to thank Scott again for being on the show. Uh, if you like this show, uh, please uh, subscribe. I'm on all major platforms, so you can hit all subscribe on all of those. That'd be awesome. Uh, you can also hear me on YouTube. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I try to get away from Twitter because I don't like Twitter that's personal preference. Um and if you um if you have a chance listen to all the other episodes because there's a lot of knowledge in there. There's a lot of testimonies that need to be heard. So y'all have a good night. God bless you and take care. Oh, yeah. One thing. Jesus loves you. Remember that.